This time on episode 382 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we discuss Loki, season one, episode four, the Nexus event. I'm Chris Farrell from the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, a wacky weekend morning show, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the shield director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm agent Michelle. And I'm consultant Chris. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., the Marvel Comic Universe fan show. This is recorded on Thursday, July 1st, 2021, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast timeline-wide via geeks.live. Come join our live chat as we record. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes. Because of Lego toy leaks on the internet. If you'd like to talk to us about toy leaks, you can visit our website at legislativeshield.com. You can give us a call on our voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. We're on Facebook, Legends of Shield Podcast. Can't forget the Twitter, at Legends of Shield. We're on YouTube, youtube.com slash geek. Or even on Amazon. Tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of Shield skill. You can join our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. And speaking of the Gunnageek network, Chris, you are no stranger, not only to here, but to the network. Tell everyone who you are. So I've been here way too long, but I'm Chris. You've probably heard my voice on the official gunnageek.com show if you've checked out some other shows in the network. I'm also a host on the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, which is a wacky weekend morning show, as we put it, where we just kind of riff back and forth about the geeky news of the week and have fun with that. And then I used to do a podcast with SP and Michelle called The Starling Tribune, where we talked about Arrow in the greater Arrow universe. So I've been all over. Yes, you have. And I have to admit, I do miss the Starling Tribune. But for some reason, I don't miss the other Arrowverse shows. Yeah, that's fair. To be honest, since Arrow ended, I don't think I've watched any of them anymore. Yeah, I know. It's like after Crisis, it just kind of felt done. Yeah, that's how it felt to me as well, is that, hey, I guess this is a good jumping off point. Yeah, but talking about jumping off points, we're going to talk about Loki. It has a lot of points this week. Yeah. All right, this episode of Loki Season 1, Episode 4, The Nexus Event, premiered on Disney Plus June 30th, 2021. It was directed by Kate Heron, has 15 directing credits starting in 2010, including five of the Idris Takeover, five, five by five, one summer comedy shorts, one Halloween comedy shorts, four sex education, one day break, and you hear us talk about her every week because she directed all six episodes of Loki. That's right. Who wrote this, Chris? This week was written by Eric Martin, has four writing credits beginning in 2005. Those include things like Blind Date, Tony Caprezo Super Cop, 
the other mother in one episode of Loki. And Loki's showrunner is Michael Rodron. This episode, I just want to start with, I was surprised that Sylvie's Nexus event was her being a girl in Asgard just playing with some toys. And then all of a sudden here comes, you know, Rinslayer taking her away and be like, okay, reset everything. What about you? Yeah, that surprised me. I was not expecting that. Just the fact that her very existence was enough to upset the balance of time and the time masters and, and things like that. What That didn't, it just wasn't something I predicted. Yeah, I was sort of thinking maybe she was a rogue Loki who killed Odin or something and maybe succeeded in some of like our Loki's plans, but didn't. But no, she's just a girl playing with toys. But when she is in front of the judge, she does something our Loki did in a way. Some trickery and escape, sleight of hand, things like that. She truly is a trickster, which I think may help settle the debate that many people were having, wondering if she was just the enchantress pretending to be Loki. No, she's definitely a Loki. Definitely the survivor, because one of the things Loki said to her is that we survive. And she was able to take that time pad and escape and grow up on the run in the timeline and then figuring out on her own that you can hide out in an apocalypse. Because as we learned, you know, I really enjoyed when Loki and Mobius went to Vesuvius and just were like, whatever. And they're right. You know, you can hide (laughs) out in something that's just going is ending because it doesn't really matter what's happening before because the event is going to happen and things are going to end. It's a heck of a way to uh, have to grow up and learn on the run, basically escaping apocalypses or having apocalypses happen because you're a variant that causes things to shift and go bad. So yeah, she's had a pretty rough go of it. And it could explain her motivation because I'm wondering why would she Like, she doesn't want to take over the agency. She just kind of wants to blow it up in a way. She wants free of it all. Yeah. And I can understand now why, because they've been controlling her since she's a kid. Yeah. It makes total sense. These are the folks that ruined her life, and they don't even really remember what the reasoning was, because we get to that at the end of the episode. They're just following whatever their orders are with no justification or explanation as to why they basically were going to kill her and remove everything that she knew. So, yeah, I'd kind of want to get rid of the organization, too, since they literally destroyed my entire world if I were Sylvie. We were theorizing last week about how Sylvie and Loki was going to get off of the death planet. And here comes that wave of destruction. And who knew that the ultimate nexus was going to be two Lokis making a connection and realizing that they don't deserve to be alone? Yeah, two Lokis making a genuine connection. I think that's the key there. They weren't necessarily using each other at that point in time. They both realized that, hey, we're kind of lonely people because of how our lives have shaped up different lives they've lived, but they both have that commonality that both Lokis are kind of lonely and don't really have anyone they can depend on or feel that they can depend on. Because remember, this is the Tom Hiddleston version of Loki before he came to adjust to his proper feelings towards his brother and 
resolve the issues they'd had as we'd seen at the end of Thor Ragnarok and beginning of Infinity War. Not only that, but it's really interesting how Tom Hiddleston has been able to keep all these different versions of Loki in his mind. Because I don't know if you heard about the two-hour lecture that he gave. No. He did. One of the things he did before, when everybody was cast and they were talking about it, I saw a little bit of an interview with the actor who plays Sylvie. And she talked about how there was basically, he gave a two-hour lecture on what he knows about Loki and all the different things. And she said it was very interesting and enlightening. That's fantastic. I mean, it sort of makes sense. Tom Hiddleston's talked about in interviews before how much he's enjoyed playing the role of Loki. And we've seen him show that himself. Think back to what was it? One of his first comic cons where he decided to come out on stage dressed as Loki and play Loki to the crowd before he then went off stage and changed into his regular clothes to the rest of the panel. He seems like he genuinely enjoys playing this role and playing this character and is invested in how the character's portrayed. So it sort of makes sense that he would have all of that knowledge and background and be wanting to share that, especially with others who are going to have to interact with Loki or in uh, the case of Sylvie, portray a different version of Loki that while they may not be the same character, I think they still have a lot of the same root motivations and not necessarily issues, but I don't know what the right term is to use here. They have a lot of commonality at the root, even though life has treated them differently and they've evolved differently because of that. Yeah. And speaking of connection, one of the things when Loki gets back to the TVA, he gets put into a timeout, which is a loop. And out of all the memories, it's one with Sif and he cut her hair. I enjoyed it because it was so juvenile, number one. And number two, I was not really sure when we would see the return of Sif to the MCU because we know Jamie Alexander wasn't in Thor Ragnarok because she was filming. I think the show was Blindspot at the time and couldn't get away to do it. There'd been rumors that she might be in a Thor Love and Thunder, but none of that's been confirmed and have this be her return to the MCU while she's playing Sif. She's not necessarily the Sif, but more a memory of Sif, of, excuse me, of Sif, not Sif. I apologize. So I thought it was fun and I thought it was an interesting look in at Loki, which was and we get to this at the end, that he just does these things because he feels like he needs attention at some point in time, be it good or bad or indifferent, because at least then he's in people's minds and thoughts. And it was kind of cool to see him come to that realization, but also a little devastating when you see this memory version of Sif be like, well, yeah, you're always going to be this way, and just kind of dog on him after he kind of has this personal realization and apologizes to the memory of her and explains things and she's just like nope i'm savage i'm not going to have any of this and then the loop starts again that actually is i work in education and there's a whole bunch of theory behind how kids people will whatever gets them attention whatever fills that void it's like well if i act good and i get positive attention then that will you know i'll get that but you know, there have been plenty of students that I've had where they only get attention when they act out and therefore they act out in class. And when he realized that I'm going, yeah, I've seen that before. That's actual. That's something people are. And I think it was interesting that we finally got to see that happen with Loki, because as we saw Loki transform in the movies up until now, you didn't really see those moments of realization come to him like he becomes the hero sort of in Thor Ragnarok by bringing everyone to Asgard, help evacuate people, but you don't really see the moment or things that cause Loki to make that decision 
to change and become and resolve his issues with Thor, become his advisor to King Thor and not abandon him, things like that. So this is the first time we've sort of gotten these character moments for Loki to see how the Loki that we had in the what's called prime timeline for lack of a better term could become the Loki that we saw at the end of his life. Now we're sort of seeing those moments where character development would have happened, where he comes to realize some of his flaws, maybe not necessarily the same ones, but it's nice to see Tom Hiddleston get to have these strong character moments with Loki. I mean, he's obviously having fun with this and he's getting to get delve deep into the character. Yeah. I mean, it's called Loki and we get all these different viewpoints and see him develop that character. And it's interesting during the interview with Mobius, he tries to play himself off as like the ultimate trickster. And it's like, oh yeah, Sylvie came to me and we've been working together and trying to figure out if she's still alive and stuff. Going back to uh, bad habits of the past and things like that. And we all know Mobius wasn't buying it. Mobius, pretty smart dude, can sort of tell when Loki's like, or just expects Loki to constantly lie and trick because he is the god of trickery, things like that. But it was fun to see him go back to that and then kind of eventually come to the realization of, yeah, I can't keep doing this because A, he's not going to buy it. And B, if this is the path I follow, I'm not going to be able to help Sylvie. I'm not going to be able to get myself out of this situation. I'm basically done for unless I change how I act. He puts a seed of doubt in Mobius, which is that everyone at the TVA is a variant. We see him go into Renslayer's office, who has a lot of awards, considering she's the one that brought in Sylvie. She is also the one that technically lost Sylvie. Would explain why she's really obsessed with making sure she gets caught in everything. She asked Mobius, if you could be anywhere, where would you want to be? And then he switches the time pads because he wants to know what happens to what happened to C20. Because that's another thing. It's not just Loki going, hey, the TVA is lying to you about being, he doesn't say like you're about being variants. But really, I think what gets Mobius even more doubt was like, he can't talk to Sylvie, and also, really, he's not being told the truth about C20, about what happened to her. Yeah, there's a lot of things that, for lack of a better term, just don't feel right there, that aren't coming together. Loki tells him that the TVA is full of variants that are basically being controlled. Then it's Renslayer's acting different, not necessarily sharing like normally would, things like that. So it, it's all these things that don't feel right, and we've seen throughout the show when Mobius is in it that he's got a pretty good gut instinct and a feel for what's the norm and what isn't. So I'm pretty sure that set off alarm bells in his head to be like, something's not right here. And while it might make him question his entire existence, basically to do that, that's basically all he's done as a member of the TVA, it seems, is question everything that's brought before him and try and investigate and dig into and figure out what's going on. This is just arguably the biggest thing he has to figure out of what's going on. Then there's that moment of, you know where I want to be. I want to be on that jet ski that you probably took me off of. One of the things I mentioned before is that I noticed that when people in the TVA just like die, no one really seems to like care. When Mobius realizes that I'm a variant, all of a sudden Rinsley just goes prune him and they just do like there's no doubt. No hesitation. And maybe it's because she's in a position that's slightly different than your 
generic, typical TVA employee or minion or thing like that. Maybe she's slightly clued into the fact that the uh, TVA aren't necessarily just created, but are more plucked out of the timeline. So maybe she knows what's going on, and that's part of her commitment to try and keep the secret is she realizes this man who's her friend, she's really got no choice. She's got to take him out to protect the secret. And she may have done this multiple times before. Who knows how long she's been alive, for lack of a better term, and running aspects of the TVA. So it could be that this is just kind of old hat for her, that anytime someone figures it out, and it may have happened before, they know that they just have to be gotten rid of. Yeah, and then what B-15 does takes Sylvie back to the hurricane and is like, you put these memories in me, and she's like, no, I can only reveal what you already know. She's just like, well, show me. And that, it was really the actor... I apologize. I, I don't know the name right off the top of my head. We saw her being like the strict Minutemen, you know, doing your job. You take care of your Loki. I do my thing. All of a sudden going from the strict Minuteman to realizing that she had a life before and that she was happy. That, it broke my heart a bit. And the actor did a great job portraying that too, because you could see throughout this episode that there's doubts that are in her head based off of what Sylvia done to her and she wants answers and can't find them. And she's struggling against, let's call it her programming of being an employee of the TVA versus what she's seeing in her head of what she may have been before. And I thought it was really well done. And I think they also play with expectations a little bit because they want you to think at first that she wants to take Sylvia out versus get the answers from Sylvia as to what happened to her. And then it's, no, I need the answers that you can give me. And I was like, okay, I enjoy where they're going with this. Now, I'm sure if I'd sat and thought about it for a while, I'd be like, oh, here's the twist that's coming. But I was just kind of sitting back and enjoying the ride and like the fact that it was a subversion of the expectation there that she's going to want to take Sylvie out because of all the lives that Sylvie has taken. It's interesting. These two Lokis are not just pruned or taken before the timekeepers. And of course, there's this interaction. And then B-15 actually comes and helps actually gets the hero moment which was pretty cool it was a pretty badass moment as she comes storming through that elevator You're like oh it's on now yeah not only <laughs> take off the collars had a had a like a, a sword or a machete yeah was it the one that mobius had given to uh renslayer as the her uh newest trophy was that yeah. the same sword i wonder possibly you know they had that great fight and then we get the big reveal. I kind of was, you know, like when we were seeing the timekeepers, I thought they were moving kind of weird. And it's like, well, maybe it's because they're, you know, ancient beings or something. But we find out they're moving weird for a different reason. Right. They're androids of some indeterminate age. Maybe they're moving weird because of a lack of maintenance or something like that. But yeah, they're not live beings they're robots that are basically playing a role which i thought was interesting puts a further twist on things and makes you go oh crap what's really going on with the tva here that's kind of really how it ends because i want to talk about what happens to loki so let's talk about these timekeepers i mean is it one of those things where the timekeepers are someplace else and they're just remote controlling these androids or something else what do you think chris 
I think the whole TVA and timekeeper things is a ruse that's being done by somebody else who has an agenda that I think is going to potentially be set up as one of the big elements of the next phase of Marvel movies. And I had struggled with this for a while with this show in general, because Kevin Feige had said some things early on, which was Loki was the Disney Plus show that was going to have the most impact on future phases of the MCU. And through the first three episodes, I was kind of going, I don't see how this is going to happen. Why would he set a bar this high like that? And the show just isn't clicking with me or it wasn't clicking how it's going to have impact on everything else. But at the end of this episode, I enjoyed the twist and all of that. And I went, oh, I think I know where they're going with this. And I will fully admit that this is a theory that I'd seen lately floated around on Twitter and on Reddit. And I kind of looked at it and went, that makes sense and may have added my own flavor to it. But the TVA is just a construct of one Kang the Conqueror who's known for time travel throughout the comics and things like that and screwing with the timelines to make things happen, to give himself safe spots in time to be able to manipulate things how he wants. And if this is Kang the Conqueror that's involved, that would be a very interesting setup for the next phase of Marvel movies to have Kang involved and be able to play with time travel some more since they already established it a little bit in Endgame and we got the lines in here that the Avengers did exactly what they were supposed to do. So obviously that fit with Kang's agenda, assuming he's the bad guy. So maybe I'm reaching too far, and this is something I generally do with all of these Disney Plus shows, is I over-theorize. And I did it a ton with WandaVision. I enjoyed it, but I can understand why some people were disappointed because they also probably fell in that same trap. So I think it could be Kang, but I also think I could be over-theorizing. We're getting a lot more of like the space-time stuff. Not only did we get it in Endgame, because with all the time travel, that's been talked to death, at least with me. But we now have the new Doctor Strange movies, you know, it's about the multiverse. Even in um, the new Spider-Man movie, they're supposed to uh, have different versions as well. And we did have Alfred Molina confirm that he is in that movie as Doc Ock. So we at least have an official confirmation that's not based off of leaks offset and theories. We do know that Alfred Molina is there basically as Spider-Man 2, Sam Raimi's Doc Ock. Yeah, and then we're finally getting the Eternals. And so I was wondering, well, how could the Eternals play into this? Well, they've been alive for a long time. They probably know a lot and they know how things probably should go because they said they've been step, you know, been out of it because I saw the preview of it. It seems as though they're going in that space multiverse sort of deal. And I think that is something that is a shift because, you know, at first, you know, we have the Avengers and that's very different than, let's say, Kang the Conqueror and Secret Invasion and things like that. Right. Think where we were in 2008 when Iron Man 1 dropped. That was a story about a dude who built a suit of armor and then fought a guy who betrayed him and his company and built his own suit of armor. I hesitate to say the term grounded, but when you compare it to where we are with the MCU now, it's relatively grounded because you could sort of expect something like that to potentially happen in today's world. You can't really expect some of the crazy stuff we're seeing in the MCU movies to kind of happen in today's world. And that's not a criticism. That's just an observation of how things have evolved as they've built up this world and things like that. So I think we're getting to a point where they can get into some of these crazier, wackier things that we've seen in the comics because they've built up so much backstory and also so much goodwill that people are willing to give it a shot because 
some of this stuff is not necessarily the easiest to get out there and put in one movie and have people like, oh my God, this makes sense. I really want to see more of it. So they're having to plant seeds across multiple properties. And we're now at a point where most people are like, hey, if it's a Marvel thing, I want to see it. So most people are getting exposure to all of these seeds they're planting to start playing with multiverses and space and time travel and things like that. So we're going to get into some crazy stuff. And while I think that a lot of us are going to enjoy that, who may have delved into the comics or enjoy that kind of sci-fi trippy weird stuff, I think it might also be a jumping off for some people who are just like, this isn't for me. I don't know what's going on. This is really too crazy. And I sort of get where they may be with that too. If some folks want to jump off because it just gets to be such, not necessarily spectacle, but just such a everything linked together and so many weird moving pieces that it's a bridge too far for what they were expecting. This is the sci-fi part of Marvel. When you think about it, part of me is going, well, if they're in space, I wonder if they're going to run into the Phoenix and (laughs) that's how we get the mutants. Well, and the fantastic four. I mean, we already know that they have that's slated to be happening. John Watts, who's directing the Spider-Man trilogy of films is slated to do the fantastic four movie. They teased it at, was it E3 or D23? I can't remember. But they did tease it with a teaser with the four logos. So we know that's coming. In the Fantastic Four, if any of you guys have read the books, they deal a lot with weird cosmic trippy things that happen in space and alternate dimensions and things like that. So we know we're getting the Fantastic Four soon. Kevin Feige's kind of demurred and kind of pushed off and said they don't have any plans for the X-Men at this point in time. I.e., I don't think we're getting them in phase four, maybe phase five. But a lot of the things that you would set up in this cosmic trippy stuff would then also help for setting up some of the X-Men storylines, because once you get into some of the later storylines and the genesis of them, they go on weird, crazy space adventures and meet crazy aliens and Professor Xavier runs away to other planets. And then they meet cosmic forces that imbue mutants with weird superpowers on top of the regular ones. So all of the pieces are seeds that they're planting so that they can do more going forward. and. It's going to be a lot, and I like to think of myself as someone who really enjoys the comics and the source material, and as I'm thinking of where they're going to go with this, I'm going, this is going to be a lot to follow. (laughs) Yeah, this is going to be a bit, you know, Marvel is really invest, is riding that wave of faith, I think. You know, you've been with us for 10 years, now let's go ahead, hold my hand as we go on this wacky adventure. And, you know, I think some might go for it. Some might not. I know I've had to have a few conversations with my mom. She's enjoying it, but some of like the time stuff, but otherwise she's been enjoying it. But I can see it's going to be interesting. They're still going to make a ton of money. Yes. We're not going to say this is the end of Marvel. That's not, no, they're still going to make a ton of money. So they've been making like, let's say they've been making like five tons of money. Maybe now they make maybe 3.5 tons. (laughs) It's still a lot of money. Right. And I wasn't trying to imply it's the end of Marvel, but more of my thought was it's more might be the end of people being like, it says Marvel. So I have to go see it where people are going to be going. I don't necessarily know that I understand what's going on with this. And I think they're going to have to do a mix of these crazy, weird outer space things and multiverse time travel things combined with things that are more, I hesitate to use this term, but traditional MCU at this point in time and find ways to merge those together to get people interested because I'm a comic fan and things like that. Eternals, 
eh, I, I'm not super stoked for it. I mean, I'll go see it because it's Marvel, but it's not like Spider-Man where I'm like, oh my God, I have to go see Spider-Man Day One or the last Iron Man movie and things like that. So we're getting into things that aren't necessarily super properties, for lack of a better term, or been developed into super properties where it's must-see. And I know there's some folks like, I don't necessarily care about Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. I'm super intrigued because I think it's going to be a Marvel Kung Fu martial arts movie. That's my jam. But I can understand where there'd be other people like, eh, I don't know about this because they've, I don't want to say it's been spoiled, but they're used to the fact that we've had all these movies with people that we've met in other movies so far, and now we're having to branch out again. They kind of forget where we were with phase one. We're basically in phase one again, just with new people. Yeah, I can't wait for that one. I think Captain Marvel 2 will help as well. People know Doctor Strange. I think that movie will help. And Captain Marvel 2, that will help as well. Captain Marvel is going to be an interesting bridge between the Disney Plus series and the movies. And I know Doctor Strange will be the first actual bridge because they'll tie into WandaVision. But they'll be taking characters out of the Disney Plus series and putting them in to the, I think, what is it, the Marvels now they're calling it now, not Captain Marvel 2, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll actually have people that debut in the Disney Plus series show up in the movies. Now, I know there's also rumors that America Chavez will show up in both Doctor Strange, the movie, and one of the Disney Plus series first, but I don't know all the timing on those things. We're starting to get to that point where the crossovers are happening, though. Which is good. Yes. Talk about weird stuff and surprising stuff. Loki, our Loki gets pruned. And I'm sitting there going, wait, but the show is Loki. And I really like he he lands and you see him in this gravelly place. And the first thing he said is like, is this hell? Because in Viking lore, that's where you would go if you're not exactly worthy of Valhalla. And he would not see himself worthy of Valhalla. And all of a sudden you see, no, that's not where you are. Basically, it's a come with us if you want to live moment. With different Lokis from the multiverses, which was fun to see. We had kid Loki, traditional comic Loki. We had the lizard Loki or the alligator Loki. And I think I'm missing a couple others, but it was fun. And there was a lot of cool posts I saw online of people being, oh, this is Loki from this and this and this. And now we have the multiverse of Loki. So that's fun. And I will admit this. I almost bought it at first that they could have killed off Hiddleston's Loki. And it's all because they killed off Mobius, just the drop of a hat out of nowhere. Because when they killed him, I literally paused, looked at my wife and went, I wasn't expecting that because I really enjoyed the character and they'd built him up so much. And just to be gone at the drop of a hat, when they did it to Loki, I went, holy crap, maybe they really did this. And Hiddleston's Loki is done and they can pivot now to Sylvie being Loki. And the show follows her as we wrap things up. Of course, as we got to the credits, I started pausing and going, there's no way. There's no way they killed off Tom Hiddleston. There's got to be some kind of weird twist where we find out that if you're pruned, you don't necessarily just vanish. You get dumped into some kind of Sakaar for uh, variants or something like that. Learning that there's more Lokis, it's fascinating. Why are there so many Loki variants? Why do Lokis cause all these Nexus events? Why do they have to be pruned? It's really fascinating because it's not like there's multiple Thors or, or multiple Tony Starks. It just seems as though there's multiple Lokis, and I find that fascinating. But we do open the door for that possibility at this point in time, that if we're in some kind of dumping ground for variants, they get pruned. 
What other variant characters that we know now might we see in there? What kind of fun could they have with us where you have a variant character, say Tony Stark show up, that's Tony with an I instead of a Y and it's a female Tony Stark or something like that. Or if Stan Lee were still alive, you know, you could have fun with some variants portrayed by Stan Lee in there. I don't know what they're going to do with it, but I can see where it could be fun what they do with it and where we can potentially get more variant Lokis that show up too. We'd have a team Loki and it's, that's what it is. It's just a bunch of Lokis. Part of me wants them to make sure they either bring in the horse or the unicorn. That'd be pretty great. That would. That would. I mean, and people who really enjoyed Thor Ragnarok are hoping they bring in the snake version of Loki that liked to bite Thor. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so much fun. So much fun. So, Chris, do you have any last thoughts about the episode? So, one thing I wanted to bring up is I think I was on TV line today reading some articles, and I can't remember who it was. It was either the director or one of the showrunners of Loki that they were interviewing on there because the shippers went crazy with Loki and Sylvie theories based off of what happened in episode four. And whoever was interviewed there, and I apologize, I'll try and find the link again, basically said, no, we never saw this as a romance between the two characters. We saw it as two lonely people having a genuine moment and developing a bond with each other. So sorry, shippers out there. That's not where they are intending to go with this. Doesn't necessarily mean they can't pivot to that at some point in time. But the thought more was these are two people that are, very similar. They live very lonely lives, kind of formed a genuine connection because of things that happened to them, which I thought was cool. And I don't feel like we need to ham fist romance into everything either. So I'm fine with this. People can just be friends. People can just make connections. And I really just thought, you know, when they looked at each other, they sort of realized we don't have to be losers. We don't have to be alone because that's seems to be like like what sif was like you know you're always going to be a loser you're always going to be alone you're going to die alone you know that's what you deserve loki and you know i don't think that's necessarily the case i mean we'd already seen that potential a little bit with our loki for lack of a better term because i know i mentioned earlier but we saw how his character developed post thor ragnarok where he seemed to have a true friendship with his brother now where they treated each other as equals where he'd seemingly made peace with some of the things he'd done in Asgard and was seemingly being treated with respect from the remnants and the people of Asgard, from Heimdall, from everyone else that was on that ship. So we'd seen the potential for Loki to kind of move past this loneliness and having to constantly reach out for attention and things like that. So we'd seen that possibility there, and it's kind of cool that we see it sped up, for lack of a better term, in the Loki TV series. I don't know how much, I'll use air quotes here, time has passed, since he was pulled out of the prime timeline and has been working with the TVA. I don't know if it's been like, let's arbitrarily call it seven days versus seven years worth of time. Cause we don't know how long they've been hunting Sylvie. It just shows them hunting Sylvie and time is weird and fluid. And I don't know how this all fits in. Exactly. Well, next Thursday, we're going to be talking about season one, episode five. If you remember, there's only six episodes, so there's two left. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And I think we should, you know, follow the variants on the way out. So I'd like to thank everyone for listening and downloading. We always appreciate all the interaction and for you consuming our content. And I'd like to thank Chris 
for coming on. So thank you, Chris. Well, thank you guys for having me. I've, I've done a few more episodes of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. as of late, and I've been enjoying coming back, and it makes me kind of wish I'd stayed caught up with the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show so I could have come back a little bit sooner. But thankfully, I'm all caught up on the Disney Plus shows, and I can sub in as needed. <laughs> oh, I'm really glad as well. So until next time, I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm Consultant Chris. Bye now. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Recording. No problem. Record. That one's going. Are you going? You're going. Go. Oh, oh, sorry. I was talking to my Zoom. Oh, sorry. No, I'm going. <laughs> okay. I, was, I always talk to my Zoom like, are you going? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. This is my first time using my Mac for this, so it's interesting. Oh, okay. That is interesting. Okay. Should be doable. It almost seems like I've done this before. Right? <laughs> yeah. Who'd have thunk? I know. It's almost like I've been podcasting for almost six years. Who knew? <laughs> Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2021.